Blog Talk Radio. Hi, I'm Alita Adams. Everybody is all abuzz about Brandon's buzz. This guy is the person to listen to. <laughs> I wish you could do all the interviews. Hi, this is Lynn Herring on Brandon's Buzz. It's the great entertainment talk show on now. Brandon, I love you. Thanks for having me. Taylor Dane, and you are listening to the one and only Brandon Buzz. This is Maya Bialik, and you are lucky enough to be listening to Brandon's Buzz. Hi, this is Beth Maitland. And this is Joel Brooks. And we're on Brandon's Buzz. We're buzzing with Brandon. We are. We're buzzing with Brandon, so tune in. This is Terry Garber, and you are buzzing with Brandon. Please stay tuned for Brandon's Buzz. I'm Joan Van Ark, and the buzz is hot. This is Claire Massey from Tammy Show, and you're listening to Brandon's Buzz. Great guy, great show. Check it out. Hey, hey, this is Mia Peoples, and you are checking out Brandon's Buzz right now. Hey guys, and welcome to Brandon's Buzz. I am Brandon. I'm sorry that we're starting just a little bit late. I literally just ran in the door. I had some things to do oh, from my day job today, and I had a meeting that ran long, and then I had traffic trying to get back home, and so we're starting a minute or two late, and I'm very sorry about that, but I thank you for uh, uh, coming back to Brandon's Buzz and finding the show. Uh, let me tell you quickly how you can find the show. The main website is www.blogtalkradio.com slash Buzz. That's the show's main website. From there, you can listen to old shows. You can see what's coming up on the show. And uh, you can download old shows. You can leave me comments. You can send me an email. That's kind of mission control for the show. Blogtalkradio.com slash Buzz. You can also find me at my blog, brandonsbuzz.com. There, there is a complete radio archive of every past show. Uh, just click on the radio button at the top of the page. It's blue. And that will take you to a page which has every show listed by date. And you can click on each date, and that will take you to a page where you can see the great banners that my pal Joanne makes to help me advertise the show. And you can listen to the corresponding show. That's at my blog, brandonsbuzz.com. You can also find me at iTunes. I'm on iTunes right next to my guest today. Just type in Brandon's Buzz in the iTunes Music Store search box. Scroll down to the podcast section. uh, Click on my logo, and from there you can download individual old shows as podcasts. Or you can subscribe to the show and have new episodes automatically download to your library the minute they're uploaded to the store. So just Google Brandon's Buzz. I'm all over the place. I'm on Twitter. I'm on Facebook. There's no excuse not to be able to find me because I am everywhere. Just Google the words Brandon's Buzz, and something will pop up that will point you in my direction. And I, I appreciate you guys listening to the show and finding me. And uh, we've got some great shows coming up, which I'll tell you about at the end of the show. And we've got a great show today. You know, I've done 31 episodes of this show And the most listened to, the most popular episode is episode number 12. And the guest on that show was my guest today. She is a a fabulous actress. She is coming up this weekend, this Saturday, in a Hallmark TV movie called Citizen Jane, which she's come by to tell us all about. And we're going to talk about The Young and the Restless. We're going to talk about fame. We're going to talk about her amazing career. She is back to raise a little hell here at Brandon's Buzz. And I couldn't be more thrilled to welcome back to my show today the fabulous, the ferociously gorgeous Nia Peoples. Hey, okay, so now you're late. You're paying me back for the last time. <laughs> it's perfect. 
Yeah, you should have seen me. I was stuck at red lights and I was yelling at drivers, "Get out of my way! We got to go!" Yes, oh, don't you but, hate that? Oh, yes. you know, and it's, it's it's always on the day when you have to get home. It's you know, it's never just on a day when you can kind of take your time. <laughs> it's always that way for me. I don't. I'm just always late. Although I wasn't today. <laughs> How are you? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm excellent, thank you. So tell me, tell me about how's the life been treating you since the last time we talked? You know, you, um, you're singing, you're see. you're acting, you're producing, you're hanging out with Ali Sheedy and Meatloaf, and you get paid for it. Oh, they were great. That's quite a life. Meatloaf is such a hoot. I just adore that guy, and Ali is great too. She's she. It's so funny. She's more um, straight ahead than than I expected, and Meatloaf is just he's just a brilliant kind of guy who's all over the place. That little brain of his just goes a million miles an hour. And it was really it a fun cast. I really enjoyed it. He's so good at everything he does. Well, and he just does it, and he doesn't apologize. He just does it. And I, that's what I admire most. Um, you know, everybody has their their strengths and their weaknesses, but um, very few people, I find, have the courage to, to just step out and do what they do Absolutely. and not not measure it. They just do it. Absolutely. And there's such a freedom in that. And I really, really, um, I saw that in him. And I, I really admired that. You know, I was going to ask you this later, but since we're talking about it now, I'll go ahead. I, you know, I know you're a professional and, and you are a star, so you probably don't get starstruck much. But uh, you know, being on set with Meatloaf every day, was it difficult for you to just uh, to stop yourself from running up to him and yelling in his face, let me sleep on it, every time you saw him? <laughs> you know, actually, it was it was funny because I, I mean, I know who Meatloaf is, but I had no idea. There were just, you know, there's always these facts about other stars that you just don't know. Uh-huh. Um, and I, I, so I Googled him just to make sure I had certain facts and everything. Isn't that funny that I Googled him? <laughs> Thank God for Google. No, but um, he has the only album on the British charts that has never left the charts. The only really? album that has never fallen off the top 200 in the British charts. Wow. That's huge. That's we're unbelievable. Talking about, we're talking about 30 years plus now. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he, and he still plays huge arenas in Europe. Mm-hmm. And um, and it just blows my mind. So I mean, I was I was more impressed. I, I don't get starstruck um, just because I think there's there's always a disconnect between who the person is and what they've done. Um, but I was completely starstruck by who he was as a person, <laughs> which is even better. <laughs> Does he have the the bigger than life personality in real life, or is he just kind of a statement? no, no, no? He's kind of like the nutty professor with a great sense of humor. I'm telling you, his brain is so fast. Um, it's kind of like he has one of those, you know, Robin Williams' brain is really fast, but his tongue is, is equally as fast. Uh-huh. Uh, Meatloaf has a brain like that, but his tongue doesn't quite go as fast. <laughs> <laughs> so he kind of stumbles through the intelligence, and it's just, it's just, it's so charming. Gotcha. He's a doll. So talk about this movie we've got coming up. It's Citizen Jane. It premieres on the Hallmark Channel on Saturday night. Yes, and it it plays several times during the week. I understand. Um, uh, talk about the story. Who do you play? Uh, I play Ali Sheedy's best friend. Um, and you know, it was funny because they, she, when I showed up for the first day of filming, she goes, "God," I, she goes, "When I saw your name on the call sheet, she goes, I, I, I couldn't believe that you would do a role this small." And I thought, "Are you kidding me? I wanted to work with you in Meatloaf. <laughs> it's a tiny role. It is really, really small." And um, but so the challenge for me in this role was to make it as important as it was. That character in her life was in Jane's life was incredibly important in the things that she had done. And okay. there just wasn't there's not enough time 
in a in a in a movie of the week to sure. to tell all that backstory. So you have to kind of create it in the moments that you have together. Um, you know, sometimes you can tell by how girls are are speaking to each other, or how women are speaking together, or how guys are hanging out, what their relationship is, and how long it's gone on, and how Absolutely. deep you know, it is. Best friends have a shorthand that. It's true. You can't replicate it and you can't even explain it, but no. you can definitely sense it when you're in the presence of it. Absolutely. And so that was my challenge was to say, hey, how would these girls be together? So we have this little thing that we created where, you know, my character is always giving her character some candy or just constantly eating or patting each other on the back or holding hands. They have a certain way that they are together. Um, and that was the only way I could really uh, relate to the audience how important they were in each other's lives. So that was my challenge, and, and it was kind of fun. I, I like eating candy. <laughs> <laughs> so I assume that Ali Sheedy is Jane. Yes. And uh, what's just kind of what's the general story of the of the film? Is, you know, it's it, based it, on it, a it's true. It's a pretty story. heavy drama, I understand. It is, and it's. I mean, I've not seen the finished product, so I, I have no idea how it turned out. I heard it's really good, um, but I've not seen it. Um, the basic story is it's it's based on a true story of a of a woman who's. Um, husband basically murders her aunt uh, and kind of tries to nail it on her. She finds out that, well, it's not her husband, it's her live-in boyfriend. She finds out through all of this self-discovery that she has to do that he's the one that killed her for the money. And in the meantime, he went and took all of her money, every, every dime that she had. So she had to sell her house, her car. She had no way to get around. And the cops couldn't figure out who murdered the uh, the aunt. So wow. he went scot-free. She was completely broke. And through her own detective work, she was able to um, prove that it was him who did it. And she started this whole advocacy group for families of these, these um, unresolved murders. And so families all over the country were able to learn how to make it happen and how to figure things out on their own, separate from, from the police department. So they could have some closure. So that's so this really is, this what is this is about. a true story. This this, this wasn't yeah. pulled out a whole cloth. This... No, no, no. It's it's based on a true story. Wow. I know, right? And how does Meatloaf fit into all this, per <laughs> He's he's actually the detective that, that befriends her and uh, helps her figure certain things out. Yeah, he's a. That's he's funny a because you might expect guy. him to play like the heavy, but. No, when you see it, it's he. I'm telling you, he's so quirky and. Um, charming and disarming in in such a wonderful way it's kind of hard to imagine him when you meet him in person and when you see him in this movie it'll be really hard to put him together with a guy who's up on stage <laughs> like adam lambert jumping around <laughs> screaming and stuff <laughs> and you know it's so amazing because he he's probably he's i think he's in his mid-60s by now and he still yeah. just goes out there every night and just puts on he the does. most amazing show that you've ever seen I know, and I, can, I cannot wait. Allie and I were talking about going and seeing him um, one day in a performance out in, in England somewhere, so mm -hmm. we, hopefully we'll make that happen because I would love to see him live. Oh, what has Allie been up to lately? I, she's kind of dropped off the map forever. Well, we all kind of do that when we hit this age, I think. Uh, honestly, I swear to God, I think it's, it's a part of, um, of where we are in our careers and our ages. The, mm -hmm. the roles for people our age, there just aren't that many. Um, she's done a lot of independent movies. That's where she has been. She's been doing a lot of independent movies. She's, she's also got a teenage daughter at home. So she really sure. didn't like being away from home <laughs> because, you know, at that stage in your child's life, you, you want to be near. 
So I think she's been trying to stay home a lot um, just to make sure everything goes smoothly with her daughter. But she, but other than that, she's been doing a lot of independent movies. Excellent. Yeah. I, I, I'm, you were probably early 20s when, when Breakfast Club came out, so it was kind of maybe aimed at the generation below yours. But were you a little starstruck, you know, kind of? I thought it, you know, remember I remember the bat of the brat pack all over again. In all, actually, it was funny because I, like I said, I don't really get starstruck. I'm always curious, uh-huh. um, and I always, and I know how much hard work goes into achieving anything like that. Um, in our industry, it's such a an unstable industry. Even the people who are around and have have established themselves, seemingly, they're always you're always right on the edge of falling off into the abyss. I mean, it's it's the, because the business is kind of it's so much of it is based on luck <laughs> that that you Dumb have so that. really and you have so very little control over so many aspects of the business that when i meet someone like that who has had a huge spike in her career and is still around and still doing it i i'm very curious to share and to hear um, kind of war stories, <laughs> talk about the old wounds, and and it's like a sisterhood. So it was really nice, and she's such a good friend kind of a person. She's you know right there, and she would call me into the trailer and want to talk about personal things and things that we were dealing with on the set, and um, she's just a solid person. Wow. So, you know, last time you were on the show, we briefly discussed the the imminent um, film remake of Fame, and now here it is upon us. It's opening in a couple of weeks. Yep. Have you have you seen any of it at all? Do you know anything about it? I have not it? seen any of it. Um, I'm, I want to stay away from any of it until I can see it full on, because I really I want to receive it in a fresh manner so that I can really have a, have a be affected by it in one way or another. I don't want to walk in with any preconceived ideas. I really, I would love to be moved by it, even if it's nothing like the original movie. I want to be fresh and just be impacted. <laughs> so I'm, I'm waiting with bated breath like everyone else. <laughs> well, you know, the trailer makes it look absolutely incredible. I saw it the other night in front of something. I can't remember what we saw it in front of, but the, the trailer looks amazing. And I was listening to the soundtrack the other day, and the music sounds as amazing as it, as it ever did back in the day. Great, um, great. You know, it, I mean, it's you know, it's it's obviously a different time for music, and so the music of this film is going to reflect that. And and you know, it's a different time for kids, for for that matter. You know, it's a really interesting time actually, because you know, music has made a really big change. I don't I don't know how it is there, but here in L.A., everything is so fragmented. Um, you have to turn to this station to listen to hip hop, this one to listen to rock. This day, nothing is. It's just very segregated. Um, and there's a lot of hip-hop music going on, and yet... And not only that, but the stations get really stingy about crossing genres. They don't want to do it. That's what I mean. They don't cross genres. I mean, when I was growing up, if you listen to, to serious radio and you know the hits on the 70s on 7 or whatever, there's a wide range of different styles of music that we were, we were um, able to listen to and we were aware of, and now it's really not like that. It's one thing or the other. And so the, but the interesting thing to me is that on TV, you know, what's one of the number one, the top shows are American Idol and Dancing with the Stars. <laughs> what? <laughs> Dancing with the Stars? You kind of can't get any more corny than <laughs> ballroom dancing. And don't get me wrong, I love ballroom dancing. It's impressive to me. Uh-huh. But with the glitter eyelashes, <laughs> the sequins, but kids are loving that sort of thing. So this is, I think, the right time for 
something like fame, like the new fame that's going to be able to kind of marry the dance and and the music again, because for the longest time, it was just unacceptable. It's very difficult to make that work in the, in the medium of movies and television. Mm-hmm. And I think now that, you know, audiences are ready for it again. So I'm very excited. Sure. You know, I was listening to somebody the other day, and I, for the life of me, I can't remember who, but they were more or less mocking the idea of this remake of fame. But, yeah. you know, that story of, of young people kind of banding together on their own, creating their own family and realizing a dream, they're going to be telling that story for the rest of time. I mean, you know, long after we're all dead, they're still going to be remaking fame. They no, no, may not well, be calling it fame, but they're going to be telling that story. That's right, and I think that's one of the reasons that the series was so popular. Whether you were into that kind of music or if you were a dancer or not, it didn't matter because it was all about people having dreams and people banding together, like you're saying, and, and helping each other pursue those dreams. And that's, those people will always have dreams. And kids will always be there. Will always be kids who need to find their own little sure. niche and their own their own group of people and to people help who are push like them, them through. Yes, yeah. absolutely. So I agree with you with that. So my good friend Joanne is in the chat room right now, and she's uh, along this topic of music and kind of fragmented music. She wants to know who is in your top five in your iPod right now. Who are you, who are you listening to? Who do you like? Who am I listening to right now? My top five. Well, okay, that's really funny because I have I'm all over the place with my iPod because I've been performing with my band. <laughs> so I have Gary Moore up there because we've been doing a lot of cover stuff. Um, so I have some Gary Moore. I have some Stevie Wonder. I have Annie Lennox. I've got some older stuff because wow. that's what we do. Yeah, I've got old stuff in my iPod. Who do you like? For, who do you like? Or Not who do you like, but what do you like from Annie? I love her. She's one of my favorites. She, you know what I love about Annie Lennox is that well, she's got a really unique sounding voice. Absolutely. She's not the most amazing vocalist. I mean, she's not a Mariah Carey or anything yeah, like sure. that, but she has a texture to her voice and mm-hmm. a very interesting way of um, expressing herself, and I love that. There is no other. You know immediately Damn when right. she's on that Damn it's her. Straight. And, I, and she can I make anything that. sound good. She can make row, row, row your boat sound good. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I, I love Annie Lennox. So her version of Take Me to the River is so cool. <laughs> and we're just ripping it off completely. But that's my right. We're a cover band. We're doing it for fun. Absolutely. You know, her, her version of A Whiter Shade of Pale is, is to me, the, the signature version of that song. She, well, she's just in, and again, it comes down to individuality. You know, she's doing it her way. And I really respect that. Absolutely. So are they planning to do any kind of fame reunions of any kind in conjunction with you know, the You want to hear the funny thing is I've not heard anything about that, and I've actually kind of been looking for it um, in regard to this. I've got to get on it now that it's coming out. In two, I'm so out of the loop in terms of anything. I don't know. I, I live in this tiny trailer in, in Malibu. Okay, it's an expensive trailer, but it's a trailer. <laughs> um, And I just I have a whole different life here, and I keep myself Don't tell me you're like separated. a hippie. I'm not a hippie chick, but um, but I, ha- I am a little funky. There's a little funk going on over here, and I, I like the wildness of it here. I mean, I run around in flip-flops, and my hair's not been brushed, but I I like that. <laughs> but no, I wouldn't say I'm a hippie chick. Almost kind of, but not quite. Um, but wait, well, oh, yeah, so I don't, so I kind of don't live in that Hollywood arena where you hear about everything that's going on all the time. Even though you're and right I would be pretty much. Yeah, I, I, I would really 
this is one thing that I'd really like to go to. I would love to see the old cast of fame get together for this occasion. Absolutely. It'd be really fun. You know, it would be fun if they it, it just at least put together like a reunion for the for the red carpet film premiere or, you know, something mm-hmm. along those lines. I mean, it wouldn't have to be anything anything televised or anything super expensive, just, you know, a, kind of a, uh, a nod from the past to the future. Absolutely. I, I, hey, I would love to do that. Why don't you get on that? Can you make that happen? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if Janet would be involved, but, you know, Billy Huffsey would, would come along and, and Cynthia Gibb. And... Boy, would he ever He'd jump all over that. <laughs> Incidentally, Debbie Allen still looks absolutely fabulous. I mean, that woman is utterly ageless. Talk about, yeah. We were talking about Meatloaf all ago. This woman is, is right on par with him. Well, she's got the energy that just goes crazy. I think when did I? I think I had spoken to you after I had given her that award. Um, I gave a, an award out to her for this dance program that we have out here. Um, what's it called? Choreographers Ball, and it's just a competition that goes on every month. The, the best choreographers just pull together their dancers. There's no prize money or anything, but they, it's just a forum for for choreographers and dancers to get out there and do whatever they want to do. And in it, they gave Debbie a lifetime achievement award. So I got to give that to her, and it was so great to see her. I hadn't seen oh, her in fun. years. Yeah, she looks great. And ha- have have you all been together for anything in, in the time since Fame? No. Since no. you were Fame wrapped. Yeah, you know, I think I think they had a bit of a reunion um, when I was in Texas working on Walker Texas Ranger. Yeah. But I couldn't come. I was shooting. Oh. But everybody else made it, so they did it without me. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Well. You can't do it without Nicole. You can't. I know, but they did. They managed to. <laughs> so what's your take on the whole circus we've lived through this summer with Michael Jackson's passing? I, I know that you, um, you know, you were a pop star in the 80s. You, I mean, you never reached those atmosphere. Those, uh, oh, no, I was right? never. Like, like he did, but did you ever get to cross paths with him at all? No, I didn't. I mean, obviously I did with Janet, but never with Michael. I mean, <sighs> I don't know. I mean, I got, I had a little closer involvement than most people who are on the outside just because of having worked with Janet and stuff. But I, to me, the whole thing was getting so sad before he passed away. Um, it, it got sad to me. I mean, exactly. he's brilliant. He was brilliant. Exactly. But just, you know, when people get so isolated that they can create any kind of a life in their little sphere, to me, that's what happened. I mean, he had his own little life and... Mm-hmm virtually killed himself asking for all the wrong things and and being granted all those things. There were no limitations. And, and, you know, people get themselves in trouble that way, whether it's with money or drugs, legal or illegal. If everybody says yes, where's your perimeter? (laughs) There's no perimeter. And I just, the whole thing was really sad to me for a number of years, you know, long before he passed away. I, I I would have loved to have seen him, you know, write a musical or... Because he was so brilliant musically, mm-hmm. instead of trying to cling to that king of pop thing, which is impossible when you start getting into into your fifties. Follow your musical genius. Let it develop into what it should develop into. And I, I think he was a musical genius. And I would have loved to have experienced what would have happened if he were free of the image and totally connected to his talent. Mm-hmm. I, th- I think he had a lot more to bring us. And so I, I was really saddened by that. But, again, that's me. That's more like a, being a fan than anything else, really. <laughs> yeah, you know, but there's so much that's sad about that story. I mean, when you, look at his, when you look at his professional life, he knew how to ally himself with the very best people. I mean, Quincy Jones, uh, the best producers, the best songwriters, mm-hmm. in addition to his own talent as a songwriter. 
Yeah. And, you know, it, it's so sad that, that he didn't know how to do that in his personal life, how to surround himself with the best people. It's, well, it's a, it, well, what happens is there's so many people that are shoving themselves at you that it, that it becomes very difficult to, um, you know, to pick apart who's right and who's wrong because there's so many people pressing upon you. Um, and it's, it's hard to know who to trust because everybody has an agenda. That's, that's the hardest thing, yeah. Yeah. How do you feel about that? about Michael. Oh, you know, I mean, I I was I think 7 years old when Thriller popped and so, you know, I I can't remember my life without him in it. And, you know, right. I was I was just as as big a fan as everybody else. I mean, I had Thriller on vinyl on CD yeah. or on cassette and later on CD. Um, you know, and after he passed, going back and listening to some of that music, it's it's it you know, it's it's almost impossible to believe that a mere mortal created some of that music. <laughs> I mean, you know, in 200 years, they'll still be talking about how great a song Billy Jean is. I mean, they just will. Right. You know, it's one of those it's one of those standards that will that will carry on for eons. Yeah, no, most definitely, absolutely. Now, it's sad. I, it's sad to see anyone pass like that. I just would love to have seen him get some resolution and some other issues in his life too. I mean, there were some really serious things going on. <laughs> I just like, oh my gosh, straighten it up, please. Be happy. And, you know, the goodwill that his fans showed toward him. I mean, you know, when he announced these concerts back in March mm-hmm. that he was going to do this fall. I mean, it's, you know, I mean, the goodwill around the world that sprang up over that announcement was, you know, stunning to behold. And, you, you know, you want to think that, you want to think that that alone would be enough, but it's just, it's not sometimes. Well, what do you, now, what do you think about the child molestation stuff? Uh, <laughs> I just sprung it right on you. What do you think about that? Just lay out there. <laughs> You know, I honestly I don't know what to tell you. I mean, you know, some some part of me thinks that that he was way too maybe not innocent is the right word, but maybe naive. He was too childlike to uh, have done any of that. And you know, the other part of me thinks, well, you know, when you are so, as you said, are so isolated, are so insulated from from uh, uh, from public life, from logic, even it's. You know, you you might well think anything goes, but I just don't, I don't see him being diabolical enough to have have done that. I just don't. Well, it's not that I don't think, you know, pedophiles. I don't I don't think they're necessarily. I don't know if diabolical is the right word. They're not hurting. They're not trying to hurt people. Yeah. But I, you know, the the shame of it is, that, okay, innocent or guilty. If you have been accused of it once. Mm-hmm. You'd think that you'd set yourself up to where if you're innocent, that that's not going to happen again. You would have the right precau- – you know, you're not going to be yeah. locking yourself in a room with a wacky yeah. kid. Yes. Yeah. You know, just put yourself – why would you put yourself in that position? I don't know. Scary. Sad. But, you know, when you are so insulated from reality, it's – I know. You know. And that's the thing. Hey, listen, I remember when I was doing a lot of music, like theater – you you know you put all this makeup on, really heavy eyeliner, and you think, okay, this looks great from stage, and then you start wearing it like that every day. <laughs> it happened to me. <laughs> it's a it's a theater makeup. You can you can always tell who's in theater. <laughs> so considering the kind of ridiculous online firestorm that erupted the last time we chatted about this, oh, I yeah. totally understand if you don't want to say much about it, but I just want to know if you're kind of at peace with the way things worked out at Young and the Restless. You know I. Uh, am I at peace? I feel sorry for them over there right now. I'm, you know, because I have friends over there. Mm-hmm. So I go over there and get my hair done and say hi to everybody. <laughs> I do. I, go, I use it as an excuse to go visit everybody over there, and I bring a big basket of food and say hi. And I'm just there have been so many shakeups over there. Um, yep. 
It's shake ups all over the daytime landscape, not just the year in the rough but I mean, I you know, know, guiding lights going off the air next week after 72 years. That's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. It's incredible. And that's that. That to me is really sad. And I, I wish. I think if there were, I've always believed in communication, but then I've never run a soap opera. You know, I've never run a big company like that. So it's all talk, just coming from an actor. Mm-hmm. But I would, I would, if if I were heading that stuff up, and and the inevitable was coming down the pike, I would, I would be open about it and. I mean, these are people that have been on the show for 25, 30 years. Yeah, and longer. Yeah, yeah. So that's the communicate. The lack of communication over there is what I hear mostly people complaining about. They don't really know what's going on. Yeah. So, and that's sad because they've been such a part of a of a big thing for so long. But yeah, oh, am I at peace? <laughs> I don't think I ever resolved any of that. I, we just kind of got blasted, and I went, oh, okay, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> No, it it just it it kind of seemed to me from some of the things you said and and from the way you said some of the things you said that you really liked having that job and you really liked that job, and I would imagine it was it was sad and and a little stunning to see it come to such a sudden end. No, you know what? There are parts of it for me that I really liked and parts that I didn't like, um, for sure. Uh, the, the fans are an there. That's an amazing group of fans. The fans of the soap opera fans are amazing yeah. fans. I've never known fans to know as much about a show <laughs> as soap opera fans. I'm telling you, they knew way more than I knew, not just about storyline, yeah. not just about storyline, but about who was running the show, who was writing what episode, who came in when. They know all about that. <laughs> and that, dedica- that takes a lot of dedication, and that really blew my mind. So that was, a, that was a really interesting aspect. In fact, I would love to. I just picked up Reader's Digest, and I thought, you know what? I'd like to write a column for readers, for, not for Reader's Digest, for, for Soap Opera Digest, <laughs> just about celebrities. I would just like to write a column for them. You know, call it Celebrity Bites. <laughs> just from my perspective. I love the fans. I do. That was a, that was a tough show for me. So talk talk a little bit about the downside then. If, I mean, you know, don't don't get um, yourself in trouble. But well, no, I don't care. I'm just being honest. <laughs> you know, I, I mean, I'm not. I don't. I'm not going to put anybody down. I, I have a lot of respect for for what people do, um, and I'll try to. You know, I just try to call things that they're my experiences, and other people might have experienced it differently. Mm-hmm. The downside to it was that for me, my character was never really developed. Uh, you know, I Absolutely. went through three executive producers in a span of two years. And no one was ever committed to making anything of my character, so I just kind of walked around as a something on Neil's arm, and that's really boring to me. It wasn't until the last year when they were forced to keep me on mm-hmm. that they actually wrote something for me, <laughs> um, and that was interesting because that gave me something to sink my teeth into. Um, it was also a challenge in that there were so many pages that we had to do in a day and so much dialogue. That was that's, that's truly the stunning thing. I mean, you guys, you guys did and do. We're talking about you know two and a quarter movies a week. I mean, oh, yeah. the the equivalent of it's it's stunning. No, no, I know. And in regular you know TV, it takes seven working days to accomplish what we accomplish in four days mm-hmm. on that show. No, sorry, what am I talking about? One day. One day. <laughs> yeah, in less than one day because we'll do <laughs> we'll sometimes do five day five shows in four days. Uh huh. So, you know, and I loved the people. It was an interesting group of people that, that actually worked on the set that I would see day to day. I loved that. And the downside for the people that I worked with is that I had no communication with the people upstairs. But they were in tumult. You know, they were, it was a very tumultuous time. So, mm-hmm. 
you know, the stupid thing to me is if they had written material for you all throughout your run that was as strong and dynamic as your last few episodes were, you'd be the yeah. damn star of the show right now. Well, I don't – it was an interesting thing because I can't – you know, I would talk to Christoph about it or other other people on the show about it, and they, they couldn't figure out what they were doing with the storylines or why. Like, what were they measuring? Um, any other show that I've done, for instance, when I would come on to uh, an ensemble cast, they would write it a certain way, and then they would sit back and they would watch how the various characters emerged, uh-huh. and they would watch how the, the audiences responded to those characters, and they would adjust accordingly. Mm-hmm. Whether that meant, meant diminishing a character or pulling a character out more, um, they would sit back and watch what was happening, but I, it really felt like nobody was watching what was happening. <laughs> it really did, and that was like, why are they writing this? Like they were writing in a bubble. Just I just want to write this because I'm, I feel like it without paying attention to how the audiences were responding or how the, the characters thing, were responding to each other. Is it just that there's no time to, to, to do that? I mean, you know, when you think about, as we said, you know, you have, you have one day to do this, and so... Well, no, no, you have one day to perform it, but they're writing it weeks in advance. I'm sorry, that's my crazy phone. <laughs> um, they're writing it weeks in advance. So they have a storyline kind of, kind of sketched out already, but they can turn those storylines on a dime. Yeah. I mean, they did it for me when, you know, they thought they were letting me go for 10 weeks, and then all of a sudden they realized they couldn't. <laughs> well, okay, we have a storyline. <laughs> so they should be able to respond that way on the positive side, you know, to where they're actually paying attention to um, what audience are saying, how the fans are responding, and they're looking at it, watching it to see where the chemistry is happening. Mm-hmm. Um, but all of us were kind of convinced that there was really none of that going on. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe maybe they were paying attention, and maybe the fans hated my character, or maybe there was no chemistry between me and Christoph, and I was just imagining it. I don't know. I don't know. I have no idea how that worked up there. I don't know. Very strange. You know, I just I think that I think that a big part of it is they're 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 terrified about keeping their jobs, and they're terrified about you know going off the air. And so the whole goal right now is just to get something on the air, just get an hour worth of product on the air. And I don't know. I have no idea. I've had so many fans come up to me lately and just say, "Man, the show is going south. What's going on here?" But the numbers don't reflect that. Like if you look at the numbers, the numbers, Young and the Restless is still on the top of the pile. Mm-hmm. Um, but the the fans that that talk to me, that they come out of the word work and, and say something to me. They're going, what's going on? And they're going crazy on that show. I don't know. I don't watch it. So <laughs> I've never actually seen it. So. Well, you know, I, I was going to say, I don't know if you've kept up with the story, but Tyra and Anna have since left town, and it's almost like the whole thing was for nothing. It's, it's really, you know, incredible the way it's all shaken out since you left. Wait, they left town? Where'd they go? They, I, you know, I don't know. Tyra and Devon had a fling. A one night thing, and then they confessed all to Neil and left town. With Devon? Uh, no, Devon's still there, but Tyra and Anna have. I think they went to to visit Aunt Virginia or someone. <laughs> so they. <laughs> I mean, it, so it's almost like the whole damn thing was for nothing. It's it's unbelievable yeah. the way it's shaken out. Yeah, I don't know. What are they doing with Neil now? Isn't that horrible? I should pick up the phone and call Kristoff. <laughs> What's happening with your character? <laughs> Neil quit Newman Enterprises and he went to work for Kay Chancellor, FRCEO. Okay. And uh, Lily has gotten, I think, ovarian cancer or uterine cancer, one of the two. Oh yeah. And so he's kind of he's kind of hell bent on keeping Kane and Lily apart because Kane was deceiving Lily and it was all a big mess. And so. Oh, they're not. Did they get married? Uh, they did get married, and then uh, they found out that Kane was not 
the the uh, the chancellor heir. So, oh, so chuck him because he ain't got no money. <laughs> we don't need him. So they split up for a while, and then Lily got cancer, and they came back together. But Neil is hell bent on on keeping them apart because he doesn't like Kane anymore. And so that's kind of that's kind of what he's doing right now. Oh boy. Okay. All righty then. Well, <laughs> onward and upward. <laughs> All I know is, your last few episodes, you were on fire, and if I had been in a position of power on that set and had seen you acting your ass off on that stage, I wouldn't have let you leave the building. I would have locked the door, I would have yeah. hurled you myself know, they in front were of the car, I would have made you run over me in order to get off. <laughs> the la- I mean, the, you know, the last few, the last month that I was on there, they were the people on set were very, very kind to me, because they could see how hard I was working. I just never heard anything from the people upstairs, because it didn't matter. <laughs> oh, well. I so I tell you what, my my friend Joanne, she hosts Sardish Radio on this network, and she has called in, and she would like to say hi if you don't mind. Sure. Uh, Joanne, are you on the line? Say hi to Nia. People. I certainly am. Hi, yeah. hi, hi, Nia. Hi, Brandon. How you nice doing, babe? Nice to meet you. I'm fabulous. I just wanted to call in Nia and just praise you as an actress in general. I never watched Really Young and the Restless, so all that nonsense that Brandon talks about, uh, storylines, I hear it from him. He gives me the lowdown. But you as an actress in general, I, I just always, always admired you. And um, I think that you are gorgeous. You have an amazing voice. So bump people that didn't want you around because they don't know what they lost. Oh, that's very kind. Thank you so much. You're welcome. And that's that was what just, matters. Yeah, that that's exactly it. I said that for the lack of uh, uh so I didn't have to curse on Brandon's show. <laughs> I can that. curse on my show, but I'm not gonna curse on his show. I like that bump. You said bump, right? Yeah, bump. Good. I'll have to remember bump that one. Him. Yeah. <laughs> it's so much nicer. Oh, those people. <laughs> so much nicer. Now, a question I always wanted to ask you, because every time I saw you, um, whether it was in a, a TV movie or a show or whatever, how many times in your career have you been mistaken for Valerie Bertinelli? Plenty of times. Oh, my. Um, and and not, not recently as much, um, but, but early on in my career, all the time. And when we were younger, we did. We looked a lot alike. I mean, no, I, I never mean, thought about it, but there's a strong resemblance. Oh, my Absolutely. gosh. It, it really is. I, I, looked, I passed by a cover of a magazine one time and saw her on it, and I thought it was me. There's just wow. this fat face with the big brown eyes, especially back then. We were, like, rounder in the face. <laughs> and then we had that hair. And yeah. we also had these mannerisms. And when we talk, we use our hands. And so it was it was kind of shocking how similar we were when we were younger. Mm-hmm. Um, I used to get into constant arguments with people over <laughs> uh, over that. Yeah. Oh, no, I've had people say, oh, yeah, then Valerie Bertinelli was on Fame, and then she did Walker, and I was like, what? No, that's me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting all my credit. No. <laughs> well, needless to say, you're both beautiful women, and um, I'm and looking she's doing forward great to seeing now. I mean, she looks fantastic now. Oh, she does. The whole Jenny Craig thing. I mean, she looked great before. I'm sorry, I'm not all down with the skinny chick stuff, right. but um, you know, I'm a thick girl at heart, always have been. So, uh, but she does look um, healthy. Put it that and way. Happy, yeah, healthier yeah. and happy, and I think that's the thing. Absolutely. When you, feel like you're out of control on that bikini any shot was stunning. Your life. Yeah. She looks great. Absolutely. Absolutely is right. Well, I can't wait to see your movie, um, and just keep doing what you do. I mean, like I said, bump them, you know? I mean, there's always something that's going to come along and for someone as beautiful and as talented as you. 
Oh, you know, I appreciate that. Thank you so, so much. It's great meeting you. You're welcome. Me too. Brandon, I'll talk to you later. I'll be in the chat. Okay. Thanks, Joanne. Okay, bye. So last week on your MySpace page, I caught a look at the, the, the trailer for The Teen Whisperer, which is a project that you told me about mm-hmm. um, when you were on the show back in February. What's the progress mm-hmm. of, of that? We're waiting to hear. Um, we, and actually, that's not a trailer. What that, let me explain what that is. That's really, and it, it's really, it was one of the toughest things I had to do. The, the, the basis of the show is, is to bring a couple of, two or three families along with their troubled teens onto a ranch. Um, and live there for a week, and now we're talking about for months, you know, having it all connected throughout the, this series, throughout the season, um, to do therapy on the ranch with my friend Mike Linderman. And so TNT wanted to, um, they wanted to see what it might look like. And so they gave us a very small budget and said, can you go shoot something for a day? But the thing is, that's really hard to do because you've got to see what people go through uh-huh. over a period of time. Uh-huh. So it became very difficult to do, and, and really all we were able to do was put together something that allowed them to see what Mike looked like, the therapist, and how he interacted with people. So we ended up going to my acting school and hiring actors and scripting some of it just to give them a feel for what it would be. So that's, that's not even a trailer. That's, we kind of called it that, but it's kind of gotcha. a, a little bit of a pitch just to give you a taste of what, this, what it might be. So we're waiting to hear back. We've got the rights to the book, which is great, um, the rights to the title. That was a big issue. So we've got that, and this week they're showing it to the top guy at TNT. So keep your fingers crossed. You know, it's such an interesting concept, though. I mean, talk a little bit about it. I mean, uh, the basic the basic thrust of it, from what I understand, is that this guy kind of takes teenagers from maybe broken homes or from brand-new blended families or, you know, some other uh, situation or, or crisis and, you know, kind of shows them a different way. Well, I'll tell you exactly what it is because – that guy was my son's therapist. He works with troubled teens, and most of them, um, it's not that, they're, that they've come from broken families or that they have this issue or that issue. There's a disconnect between teens and their families, and a lot of times now the kids can lash out in a way where you just don't know what's happening. As dedicated as a parent as you can be, if you're not doing it in a way that, that your child can understand, it's useless. It's just not going to work. It doesn't matter how it seems like it should work because of the way you're thinking it through and you really care about it. Mm-hmm. So what he does is he takes the whole family and he teaches them how to communicate. He teaches them to look into their own lives and their own past and their own self-limiting behaviors that they've created because of their past. And he, he makes them all deal with them individually on their own, and then he teaches them how to communicate it with each other. So we see where everybody's coming from and, and how to get there. It can be really tough. I mean, when my, I, I sent my son to a place called Spring Creek in Montana when Mike was there. And he, because he was going through these troubles where I was like, what, what is happening to this? <laughs> Who is this person? <laughs> and a lot of parents will tell you that, that, that it's not because they're an absentee parent. I mean, uh-huh. some, you know, some of it is, some of it isn't. But in my case, I, that child was with me 24-7. I took him on location with me everywhere I went. I was very involved in everything that he did. But he had these issues. Um, actually, for him, it had to do with his dad that expressed, he would express it in ways that were so detrimental to his own health and, and to, his, to his own relationships everywhere else. And he really had to learn how to identify that and to deal with it. And so he literally went away 
and I was not allowed to speak to him on the phone. Um, I could, we couldn't. He could write me a letter, but we couldn't email. He wasn't. He he was not allowed to to be in contact with me because he couldn't manipulate me. He wow. he could. We had a counselor that stood Did between that us. It was tough, but I I knew that he was always manipulating me. Mm-hmm. I really stood that, and I I didn't know how to react appropriately in a way that that made a positive difference. And so after the research that I had done, and I had some friends whose child had gone there, and, and so I felt pretty confident. It made sense to me that what they did was he, my son was safer there, and they were going to make him look at it, at the stuff himself. I was just standing in the way. I was enabling. And so, I, I mean, I had a, a conference call with, the, with the, his personal counselor every week, and I could call them every day. And, I mean, they, they kept track of everything. The kids had to journal every day, and they would, send, they would email me all the journaling. I knew everything that was going on there. I just couldn't speak with them. Wow. So I knew what was going on, and it was, it was one of the best things I did. And, it, of course, it was tough. I mean, he was there for five months. It was really hard. Jeez. Yeah, but good. Because now the thing <laughs> is, I mean, all of, his, all of his issues aren't resolved, but he knows what they are, and he knows how to deal with them. He can identify when he's reacting in a way that is um, self-limiting and, and, and detrimental, and he can, he can pinpoint why it is so, because he's done enough self-analysis to do that. And he has the tools to pull around. Absolutely. So he may try to pull something, but I can stand up and say, you know what? I know you know how to deal with that and how to deal with it in the right way. So go, you can make that choice now. And that, that was really empowering for me to know that he knew how to deal with it. Absolutely. And so that's really what this show is about, is teaching families how to um, take care of their own issues and to recognize that everyone brings garbage to the table. And all, everyone's garbage is affecting someone else's garbage and making and doubling up the pile. <laughs> so it's really about enabling, giving people the ability to take care of themselves and, and to be proactive in what they're doing. They need to be accountable for what they do, every member of the family and how to communicate that. So that's really what it's about. It's incredible. It's an incredible process because teens are tough. <laughs> I had a lot to say about that, didn't I? <laughs> no, you know, it's so great, though, because, uh, I mean, it sounds like you learned that, you know, all the bad stuff never goes away, but it's all about having the correct, as you said, the right tools, the uh, 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 a properly stocked toolbox to deal with the, the that's bad right. stuff. That's yeah. right. That's right, because what are you going to do, sit there and cry? about what happened to you is and I'm not saying you have to you know pretend like it didn't happen but you have to move forward or you don't you're the only one who's going to make you move forward or not move forward it's all the power is is in your hands there's a saying that Mike has and it's so what what now okay what are you going to do now and it's very empowering that's that's really uh, do you have any any idea how many how many people he's helped? Uh, I mean, has he oh, done this for I mean, tens of for thousands? Years? I, you know, oh, thousands and thousands of people. He he just has a way about him that's just a no bullshit way that that really gets teens to be just drop it and be honest. Because so much of the problem with communicating with teens is they're not straightforward with you and they don't respect you as being straightforward with them. But with Mike, he's completely straightforward and he doesn't take any BS. Um, he's not like. I mean, you can call it tough love, but it's not like military style. It isn't, it's not about breaking a child's spirit. It's about helping that teen into the adult life 
where they have confidence in themselves and they understand that they have to be accountable for certain things. And that transition from childhood to adulthood can be really hard. I mean, there are, there are adults who are in their 50s who don't take responsibility for themselves. Sure. <laughs> but never made that transition. So he, he's pretty amazing. He's got a real, just he's just got this thing that enables him to, to uh, help teens go through that transition. So we're, I'm hoping it gets it gets made because it's something that is, would be so useful. There's so many families in in turmoil over going through these teen years. So I would love to see it get made. And so, would the show, assuming it, it goes to series, would would the show take a similar approach where you where you take you know people out of their lives for five months, or or would it be a condensed kind of thing? Or, or well, we're talking. Here's the thing. The interesting thing is originally we were talking about it being a closed end show where you know one week one show is is one week in the life of those people because you can do a ton sure. in four or five days. I went to these seminars when Christopher was going here, going to Spring Creek, where um, Mike basically would take us through these exercises. And it's um, it's like S. It's taking you through these things that are so deep and profound that there's major change in a span of four or five days. And that's huge, huge. Uh, he can do in four or five days what it takes therapists years to accomplish. Um, but in terms of how uh, TNT is feeling, they're feeling like the most successful reality shows are the shows that have characters that stick around for the entire season. Mm-hmm. And you see how they change over an entire season. So that would change the format of the show a bit. And that that requires, I don't know how they, I said, how are you going to get families to come stay with us for months at a time? Absolutely. And they said, you're going to. And I went, oh, okay. <laughs> Alrighty then. <laughs> but you know, so, I mean, if if you have the families that are in true crisis, as yours was, I mean, you know, it might not be such a such a stretch to to propose this. I mean, I don't know if they want to if they want to play that out on national television, but you know. Well, they also, I think, also, you know, you have to remember they get paid. So for some of these families, um, it's it isn't. It, it would be a matter of finding the fam the family that's in the right position at the right time. Yes. Um, it's not just about can they afford to take the time off. Some of these families are in between jobs, um, or can or can take the time off. Uh, you know, so it, it just depends on fi- it. It depends on finding the right family at the right time. Mm-hmm. You know, which of course would come down to screening and casting and all that sort of thing. But I'm very passionate about this show. I would I really want to see this thing happen because I think it's an important show. So when Chris came back after five months. Were the were the changes were the differences immediately recognizable, or did it take you some time to? Well, it was funny because he had some decompressing to do as well. Um, sure. He because he lived a very strict life. I mean, everything there that he got, he got because he earned it. Um, which is sounds like that's the way it's supposed to be every day in life, but we know it's not. <laughs> now, especially when it comes to our kids. Um, <laughs> So he had to uh, decompress a little and, and know how to set his own boundaries. Um, and it swung left and it swung right, and then it landed right where it needed to land. You know, So there was that. And it's like moving out of your parents' house for the first time when you know, you've been under certain rules in the house, and then mm-hmm. you go get your own apartment. And we, probably the first week you sit around eating cookie dough all day long. <laughs> it's not necessarily healthy, but you're going to do it because you can. <laughs> so he's very well equipped now. I'm very, I'm so happy that he went. You know, that was a few years ago, and he's becoming a really wonderful young man. Yeah, you mentioned last time that he's he's working on his music. Is that still progressing, or? Oh yeah. Well, he of course he doesn't think it's progressing, but <laughs> because it it goes too slow. But you know, I had an interesting thought. Okay, 
because he can be so hard on himself. And to me, he's so brilliant. I'm just going, why doesn't somebody sign this guy? But the music <laughs> business, is, you know, it's changing so rapidly. So much of it you have to do on your own online now. Uh-huh. Um, and there's good things and there's bad things about that. But I was thinking about this the other day because he's so hard on himself. He doesn't, my son doesn't give himself credit for the little things. Um, and I think, you know, when I was growing up, I grew up in West Covina. Neither one of my parents were in the business. Um, they they gave me the equipment um, to have faith in myself. And they gave me the courage and the faith to move forward with whatever it was I aspired to. But they didn't necessarily have any of the connections, and they certainly didn't. They set the example as in terms of work ethic, uh, in terms of talent, in terms of um, ethics in general. But they weren't they weren't in the business. My son has two parents that are in the business, and successfully so. Uh-huh. So to him, there is no success until he's playing an arena. For me, when I was in the background of commercial, like walking in the background, whoa, that was my hair. That was a step. You know, every little thing was a time, oh, I got in the background of this, ooh, and then I got my first commercial, ooh, and then I had a, you know, one line in this movie, and ooh, and everything was a step up, and so it, it measured my success. you had success. no point of reference. Well, my point of reference was just different. Yeah, exactly. You know, it was everything. And, and so he can't count those little steps. He sees them and he goes, oh, it's failure to him. And I'm going, are you kidding me? <laughs> He's 20 years old. Come on. That's, that's huge. But he grew up. Remember, he grew up sitting in the director's chair. He came uh-huh. and the director would give him his chair. And uh-huh. So he, he can't just jump to that. And I was trying to tell him, look, do you think Brandon Boyd would be able to play arenas when he was 17 years old, 18 years old? No, it took all those years of battling to get there for him uh-huh. to be able to maintain that. So you've got to go through that. That's what builds who you become. So, you know, blah, blah, blah. Mommy's <laughs> talking again. <laughs> but you just you keep putting yourself out there and you keep, you know, uh, working on your craft, honing your craft. Somebody yes. else I notice. I mean, cream always rises to the top. It just always, always does. Well, and you've, you, you've got to be able to pat yourself on the back. I mean, you, want, you have to be able to look out at the horizon, but you also have to look back from the dock from which you came so you can <laughs> see the distance from which you've come. And that's the, I'm, I tend to be really bad at that as well, <laughs> always looking out at the horizon. <laughs> Am I going to get there? <laughs> and it's, you know what? It's kind of the same thing for me right now in the transition that I'm in, transitioning into you know, being this 40-something-year-old woman who is not really satisfied with just doing TV but still needs to work. It's not like I'm filthy rich. I can't retire. Um, but there's something else that's calling me. You know, doing guest starring spots on 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 nighttime television isn't thrilling me anymore. Mm-hmm. So what is that next thing? I've become much more than that. So I'm in that. I'm in the same place that my son is in, but just at a different time in my life, where I have to be able to pat myself on the back for these little steps because I'm moving in a different direction um, and count it as something that counts, that matters, instead of just going, oh, <laughs> I don't have the book deal yet. You know? <laughs> so. You know what, though? Talk to me about that a little bit. You know, it seems to me that you've had exactly the kind of career to aspire to. And, I mean, sure, you've had your peaks and valleys just like anybody in any profession, but generally speaking, on balance, you have always worked and you've had the chance to do a little bit of everything you're interested in. And your talent is still in demand after nearly three decades of doing this. Um, well, it's nice for you to say that my talent is still in demand, but I will tell you that it's been an interesting career because there have been little bits and starts of being in demand, but I think because you can't really label me, 
I'm always the 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 girl from the wings that comes and surprises everybody. <laughs> and I'm thinking, how can I still surprise you after 25 years? What is wrong with you? <laughs> you know, it's just okay. You don't know that. All righty then. Okay. Hollywood is such a funny thing. I actually, there was a guy, and this is this is a funny story. There was, and stop me if I told it before, but um, there was a guy named Eric. What was his name? I don't know, Eric something over at CBS, and he was the executive in charge of Walker when I was working on the show. Okay. And I knew him from years before because he was my old manager's assistant. And he always liked me because I was one of the few celebrities that was nice to him. <laughs> I, like the, I like the assistants. To me, they're normal. They're more normal than everybody else. So he really liked me. So when he moved up to that position, he really wanted to take care of me. Um, and so when the show was ending, I said, look, Eric, what are you doing now? Where are you going into? And here's a little fight. I put a fight reel together from Walker because, mm-hmm. you know, I, I really couldn't put an acting reel together from that. There just wasn't enough material there for me. But that fire and, reel was incredible. It's on your website. and it It's is, hilarious. It's, it's so funny. My friend cut that together for me. And I was so, I, at first I was going, don't do that. And then I went, oh, you know, I'm so glad you did because I worked my butt off on it. Uh-huh. So I sent this to the guy who was at CBS in charge of our show. And he looked at it and he said, wow, Nia, I had no idea you could do that. And I went, <laughs> wait a minute. You're the guy at CBS who's in charge of my show, and you don't know that? So, look, what are you in charge of? And you like me. So, wait, what? There's such a disconnect between what actually goes on on the creative side of it and the business side of it. So I guess he was like nuts and bolts to make sure the show runs smoothly without ever having to look at it. I don't know. And comes in on budget. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know what Hollywood knows about me. All I know is that I'm uh, I'm moving in another direction, and it feels wonderful but scary at the same time because, in a way, I'm not starting from scratch. Not, I mean, I'm a celebrity. I'm not a star. You know, I'm not Angelina Jolie where if she said, I want to write a book, and they say, sure, what's the book about? And she says, oh, my toenails. Great, let's make the book. <laughs> okay. I'm not, I'm not a star. I'm, I'm a celebrity. So I'm kind of in that in-between space where I'm not like this, just this fabulous woman mom who has funny things to say about life and, and health, beauty, and fitness, and I'm not this huge star that everyone would be curious about. I'm right in the middle. So it's, a, it's an interesting place for me to be, um, a little scary and a lot exciting. So ultimately, are you satisfied with the way it's all turned out, or do you still have a bit of wonderland? Am I satisfied with the way that it's all coming out? Yeah, the, the way it's all turned out. I mean, mm. you know, you've had... You've had 25 amazing years here. You know, I'm. I'll be satisfied. I'll be satisfied when I land where I'm supposed to be. Because right now, I'm in that phase of getting there. Um, and I look back at everything that I've done, and I wouldn't do anything differently. But it's it's like it's as if you've gone to college for 25 years, and you go, okay, now you have the degree. What are you going to do with it? <laughs> So that's it's it's I'm you know I'm I'm, cre- I'm I don't want to say it. people say so you're recreating yourself well no I'm evolving evolving I'm not recreating myself I'm I'm expressing myself more fully adding now. to the mosaic is all yeah definitely but it's a little scary <laughs> is there a career that you would trade for in a second if you could um, a career that I would trade for in a second ooh. That's an interesting question because part of me 
there's a part of me that would say, hey, if I could do movies, a movie once a year and just be done with it, mm-hmm. I would go do that because I love, I love being on a set. I love working like that. I love the travel experience that it brings with you. And then you'd be free the rest of the time to do whatever else you want. If I could have a career like that, that's what I would choose, only because it would enable me to do all the other things I want to do. Um, there is no, yeah, I, I don't, I don't know that there is a, there is a specific career that I would trade, because it's all a part of who I am. I can't, I can't let go of everything else to have one thing. That would, I, I don't think I'd be happy that way. So I have to keep being all over the place like I am. <laughs> Which, which might, might mean I'm just treading water, not getting anywhere. <laughs> nah. So, uh, when you were coming up, whose career did you look up to? Mm, that's an interesting question as well, because I didn't look at people's careers. I looked at the people who I admire most, I admired most, were people who were expressing themselves to their best ability. Barbara Streisand, to me, someone who can sing and be on Broadway and act and direct. Yentl was a fantastic movie. Sure. Um, just expressing herself however she wanted to be. Down to my grandfather, who was a professor of art at Baylor University and was happy to you know, puff on his pipe and paint all day long. To me, what I admired was that these people were fulfilled and choosing their own path and not being told how they had to do it. Absolutely. That's what I admire most. And, and um, I would just like to do that and make a ton of money doing it because <laughs> I want to be a humanitarian. <laughs> I sound like a little kid, don't I? Jeez, <laughs> not at all. Not at I don't know. <laughs> you know, I would imagine just because you were in you were in close proximity to her every day that you looked up to Debbie quite a bit because, you know, I mean, she never became the big movie star either, but you know, she's had a, a career that that just about everybody else would envy. Debbie knew how to spin everything into her way in a delightful uh, manner, and I really. With a you smile know, on her face. Yes, mm-hmm. and she knew how not to be too straightforward, but to say what she meant in a way that wasn't going to offend anybody. Um, there's a real talent to that. I don't. I I lack that gene. I I don't have that talent. I'm. <laughs> I tend to put my foot in my mouth a lot. <laughs> so knowing what you know now, if you could reach back into the past, what would you tell that that 19 year old fresh faced girl who has just found herself on the path to becoming an actress? Probably the same thing I told them when they'd asked me any time in my career, um, which is to stay grounded, keep the people around you who you trust, trust your talent, and grow it. And that's have faith in who you are individually. That's what I always told people. And I okay, thank you, sweetie. My daughter's gone off the perch. Um, that's what I would tell them now, even when it's. Even though I'm struggling myself right now a bit, just in this, whenever you have tr- any kind of transition, change causes conflict. That's one of the rules. So there's, a, you know, there's always a little bit of conflict when you're moving, when you're changing careers, when you're doing anything like that. Newly married, newly divorced, new baby. There's always some kind of conflict that goes on. But I would have to stick to my guns and say the same thing I, I did all those years ago, because ultimately I believe it. Now I have to say it for myself, so I can keep moving forward. Wow. Yeah. Well, you're going to land on your feet, I tell you what. <laughs> I'm standing on one foot right now. The other one's kind of kind of kicking about, but um it's exciting. I kind of I I like the freedom of it. And and that, and it comes at a cost. You know, you have to let go of the safety net um in order to 
really attain that freedom. And, um, and that's, you know, that's a little scary. It's like letting, just let go of that safety net, but you can't, you can't grow if you're not willing to do that. Absolutely. And so that's, that's where I'm at. And I want to encourage all my fellow sisters out there to do the same thing. (laughs) So what's on the horizon now for Nia Peoples? What's coming down the pike? Well, honestly, I'm trying to get a book deal and I'm so close and I would love to write a column um, I was joking about Soap Opera Digest, but actually, now that I said that, that might be fun. Um, <laughs> I would love to write a column for uh, women's health, um, just health, beauty, and fitness things. Not not as an expert of of any one of those things, but as someone who's experienced a uh, lot of it. Someone has been there. Yes. Well, and, and we've all been there, but I think the thing for me is that I don't think women give themselves enough credit. And we really, we have to, to take more responsibility for ourselves and give ourselves more credit. You know, I, I really, people ask me, women ask me all the time, how do you do it? How do you stay fit? How do you stay looking so young? How do you keep doing all the things that you're doing? How is your skin like that? How is blah, blah? They're, they're always curious about that. And yet I see them all running themselves into the ground. And, I, you know, I'm right along with them. I have to check myself all the time. But I think it, it, it starts with three things, you know, what you're born with, how you feed it, and how you treat it. And you are the only one who can be the master of that. Mm-hmm. You know, what works for me may not work for you, but the attitude will, the philosophy will, but the specific food, no, maybe not. The specific uh, workout regimen, no, maybe not. You know, maybe I can go to the gym in the morning because I don't work in the morning, mm-hmm. and that works for me. Well, maybe you work at 5 o'clock in the morning. Well, that's not going to work for you. Yeah. So I think... I really want to give women, um, I want to teach them to have faith in themselves and really to listen to their own bodies, not to, to try and become something else, but to be the most of what they can be by accepting who they are and pushing toward the possibilities. I think that's the happiest each one of us can be. It's not, you know, that's why it's always, it's hard for me to answer the question, if you could pick someone else's career, what would it be? Because I don't know what that entailed. Yeah, exactly. For me, the best career is the one that, that most fulfills who I am. And I'm developing that as we speak. <laughs> you know, if, if I stepped into Angelina Jolie's shoes, I might hate it. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know. So I want to be the fullest Nia peoples that I can be. And that is where my happiness lies, I believe. <laughs> and so the book that you want to write would be along those lines? Yes. Yes. And, Absolutely. you know, I, 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 I would imagine that, that the, the number one question you get when you propose something like that is how, how are you going to stand out? How are you going well, to stand out from the glut of all the other books that are about, you know? Well, it's an interesting thing. I, I only pitched the book to, to um, one, um, one company. It's, my husband's over there at that company. And they, had, they loved the idea of the book itself, but they said, okay, we're not the right company because okay. they do surf books and stuff like that. But the, the dilemma, they said, was that I was right in the middle because I'm not a big star where I could write about any crazy memoir. I was beaten as a child or whatever. Um, and I'm not <laughs> – I'm, I don't mean whatever like that doesn't mean anything. <laughs> that was horrible. See, foot in mouth. Um, <laughs> and I'm not your, just this everyday awesome mom who – who comes up with these funny things and has these tremendous experiences that she wants to share that, that women can feel they relate to. I'm right in the middle. Mm-hmm. And, and they don't have a, a pocket for that. But to me, I'm going, isn't that great? I'm right in the middle. I'm someone that people are familiar with and kind of like, you know, and, and I am kind of funny and I write 
pretty well, and I am kind of positive. So isn't that kind of the best of both worlds? <laughs> but it's like you're standing either on that side or that side. So I, I'm trying to figure out how to circumvent that and um, and create it my own way. You know, and that's not the end of it. I only you know met with one publisher. So absolutely. You know, my friend Joanne is in, in the chat room still, and she's saying that you should do a show on this network on Blog Talk Radio. You would be fantastic. I actually, you know, I, I've different people have talked to me about doing something like that, and I think if um, I, I'm so internet non savvy, it's ridiculous. I have trouble checking my email. Um, if someone could set it up for me technologically, where I knew how to to do the right show, uh-huh. I would love something like that. Um, well, I tell you what, I'm going to get with Jessica, and we're going to put our heads together, and we are going to come up with a platform for you. Oh. <laughs> that would be great. I love talking. I'm a good talker. <laughs> well, I tell you what, I want to remind everybody that Citizen Jane is coming up on the Hallmark Channel this Saturday, and it repeats on Sunday and I think on Thursday of next week and, and Saturday of next week. You can check your listings, but it repeats throughout the week. Um, and it stars Ali Sheedy, Meat Loaf, Sean Patrick Flannery, and this fantastic lady right here, Nia Peoples. How's that for a Tony cast? Woohoo! <laughs> and I thank you so much for coming back to Brandon's Buzz and spending some time with me and gabbing about this and that and whatever. It's always such a pleasure. <laughs> so before I let you go, could I get you to do another promo for me? Absolutely. What would you like me to say, Brandon? I'll say anything for you. <laughs> As long as it includes the words Nia Peoples and Brandon's Buzz, the rest of it is totally up to you. Okay. You ready? I'm ready. Hey, this is Nia Peoples, and you're listening to Brandon's Buzz. Fantastic. Thank you so, 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 so much. My pleasure. Okay, Brandon, you keep me posted on everything. And I I haven't forgotten the Top of the Pops thing. I really, I have not. I really haven't. I haven't hounded you in a while, but I, I I will get back on that. Okay, because so it's there. Myself. My partner and I just bought a house, and oh, good! Uh, it's been a whole summer of dodging new furniture and cardboard boxes, and that's a wonderful new beginning. <laughs> Congratulations! <laughs> anyway, thank you so much. Call me next time. We'll do. Okay, thanks, Brandon. The fabulous Nia Peoples, everybody on Brandon's Buzz. Brandon's Buzz in the can for what is the day? September eighth, two thousand nine. Uh, tomorrow I've got a fantastic show with a great guy named Nicholas Rodriguez. He is on One Life to Live. He is uh, playing the role of Nick Chavez. He is Kyle Lewis's boyfriend, and he's kind of the spoiler in the in the Kyle Fish relationship that's burgeoning. Um, he's he's got a great Broadway career, and now he's taking the world of Soaps by Storm. And it's going to be a great conversation. He's a great guy and a great actor. That's tomorrow. 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific, right here on Brandon's Buzz. And coming soon, I've got Jessica Tuck of One Life to Live fame. I've got a couple of Guiding Light tributes in the works in the works for next week. Uh, today, I just confirmed a chat with uh, a wonderful singer named Susie Bogus. That's going to be happening in later in the fall. So just stay tuned to the website blogtalkradio.com/brandonsbuzz for all the scoop on what's coming up on the show, what is on the show, and what has been on the show. As I told you at the top, you can listen to old shows, you can download old shows, um, you can send me an email, you can leave comments, you can tell me what you like, you can tell me what you don't like. That's kind of at the main website, mission control for this show, blogtalkradio.com slash brandonsbuzz. Uh, as I told you, you can also find me at my blog, brandonsbuzz.com. 
there is a complete radio archive at the top of the page under the radio button of all of my previous shows. This is show number 32. All 32 of my shows are at brandonsbuzz.com. You can listen to them, and you can see the banners that my pal Joanne makes to help me advertise the show. She is fantastic. She's the best. Uh, you can also find me at iTunes. I'm on iTunes, guys, right next to Nia Peoples. Just type in Brandon's Buzz in the iTunes Music Store search box. Scroll down to the podcast section, click on my logo, and from there you can download individual old shows as podcasts, or you can subscribe to the show and have them automatically download to your library the minute they're uploaded to the music store. Uh, I'm on Twitter. I'm Brandon's Buzz on Twitter. I'm Brandon's Buzz on Facebook. I am all over the the web. There's no excuse not to be able to find me. Just Google the words Brandon's Buzz, and something will pop up that points you in my direction, and I... Uh, I appreciate you taking the time to find me, taking the time to listen to me, and uh, this great show that I'm having the time of my life putting together. And I hope you continue listening to Brandon's Buzz. This is Claire Massey from Tammy Show, and you're listening to Brandon's Buzz. Great guy, great show. Check it out. Hi, I'm Alita Adams. Everybody is all a buzz about Brandon's Buzz. I'm buzzed because this guy is the person to listen to. Make sure you check him out on the web. Brandon's Buzz. This is Gloria Loring, and I've just been buzzed by Brandon, and I gave Brandon some buzz. Please stay tuned for Brandon's Buzz. I'm Joan Van Ark, and the buzz is hot. What you do? <laughs> if you feel that you just can't take it. Hi, this is Brenda Russell, and there is definitely a buzz happening. Brandon's Buzz. I just had the most fun in the world doing Brandon's Buzz. This is Louise Schaefer. It's a fabulous podcast, and it's a great, great way to spend some time. Brandon is the best. Hey, hey, this is Nia Peoples, and you are checking out Brandon's Buzz right now. Hey, everybody, this is Beth Maitland. You probably know me best from my role as Tracy Abbott on The Young and the Restless, and I'm talking to you about Brandon's Buzz. Come on, you got to find him. Hi, this is Gordon Thompson speaking, and I want to tell you that I have appeared on Brandon's Buzz, and I had a great time, and I think you will too, so please, log on. Merci à vous tous. Écoutez Brandon Buzz sur Blog Talk Radio. Bonsoir et à très bientôt.